Hello, this is Matt Hale bringing you Resonance 104.4 FM's our monthly talk show. And this programme is based on the issue December, January 362. And it was published at the beginning of December and runs right through to the end of January. And I'm joined today in the studio by two guests. And they are both uh, writers who've written for us before. Um, Michael Hampton, who's written a feature called Human Nature. And AJ Hottie, who's written on artist books, and it was about Aspen magazine. Um, hello, guys. Thanks for coming in. We had a slightly rushed start. This is live recording, and we just got in just before we started, so we're all hoping everything's going to function technically. Our engineer is doing a sterling job. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yes, well, it'll be us that we need the fingers crossed, not the engineer, I'm sure. Um, well, let's begin with AJ's piece. Um, okay. What we do in the programme is discuss the writing, in a way, but basically we're going to sort of uh, not reiterate the text, so we hope that you will enjoy reading it another time. Um, but obviously, um, we will be saying basically what the piece is about. Now, AJ, um, what I want, one thing I will say more is that the two pieces are not exactly linked, but they both involve uh, places in the countryside, places uh, certainly nat- where nature or gardens or outdoors would be the most basic thing. Now, only reason the only connection there really is that Aspen magazine was based in a place called Aspen. Now, mm-hmm. Aspen's in Colorado, which is east of San Francisco, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's high up in the mountains, and I think that's where people used to go skiing. Now, now Michael's feature is about a place in King's Cross and Ham House, which is a National Trust house in the country. Now, when we get to that, Michael, you'll obviously tell us more about exactly where that is. But AJ, Aspen. Um, Aspen Magazine, what exactly... Is Aspen Magazine? Was Aspen Magazine? Um, Aspen Magazine, uh, it ran from 1965 to 1971. Uh, There were ten issues altogether, uh, although they had originally uh, planned for six to come out per year. It was a loose-leaf assemblage magazine. It came in a box. That was its kind of selling point. It's USB. It came in a box. And uh, it functioned as a kind of time capsule, I suppose, trying to... uh, bring together all the disparate elements of culture that came through the town of Aspen. Um, Back in the, I suppose, late 40s it began. Uh, I mentioned this in the article. There's a a great industrialist called Walter Papka, who, with his wife Elizabeth, uh, wanted to turn Aspen, in their words, into an Athens of the mountains. It was supposed to be a place of great, where great minds could meet. They set up the International uh, Aspen Design Conference. They set up Goethe's Biennial in 1949. They they did a whole load of things throughout the 50s. I mean, really quite unusual things to be doing yeah. high up in the mountains in in the middle of America. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I was struck by the um, by the magazine's content as 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 well being unusual. <laughs> I thought, but I, I wasn't sure whether I should be thinking it. Uh, you know, conceptual art and 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 other things in it, which. But we, I always really associate more with being kind of suburban, sit suburban yeah. or city based, yeah. but not, I know that isn't strictly true. Um, sorry, I, I stopped your, your flow probably there. No, no, not at all. It was yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, there was a, definitely a marked shift in what Aspen Magazine, uh, the direction that Aspen Magazine took after, say, issue two, issues one and two, really focused on the town itself. You know, um, what, what literally having stuff. I, I remember reading a little bit about it. Wasn't there something actually about skiing? There was something about skiing, the pleasures of downhill skiing against, you know, the the, the difficulties of cross-country skiing. Probably the most remarkable uh, articles in Issues 1 and 2 were kind of like through-the-keyhole-style 
examinations of people's houses. Uh, so not really about art at all? Not, not much about art, to be honest. There was, uh, the first article was about jazz, you know, three forms of jazz. Um, which could be argued as an art form. Which is, can be argued as an art form. Uh, but then it moved on to stuff like when they were going through these people's houses. They even included the family's favourite recipes. And they gave them the recipes and... Uh, this is the sort of thing that they like to eat. This is the sort of thing that people in Aspen really enjoy. And isn't it just wonderful? And aren't they just really kind of classy? You know, aren't they, in a sense, aren't they better than you? Um, isn't so it kind of aspirational? It was Michael a, a kind of uh, uh, proto-lifestyle magazine. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. In a, bo- in a box, which in is a box. curious. Exactly. <laughs> Funny enough, there's an Aspen magazine now, which is a, um, which is actually a lifestyle magazine. And so any kind of Google search or any kind of research done now on Asper magazine, it will come up with that, which has been running for God knows how many years. And it's kind of taken the mantle of that once Asper magazine, the original Asper magazine, uh, moved its focus, its shift onto actually recording uh, these real these real kind of heavyweight works of conceptual art, you know, and then in its final shift into art history. Um but yeah. it's also extremely enjoyable as an, as an experience. I, I accessed some of the magazine, uh, magazines this morning via Ubu Web mm. and in, in just in 10 minutes whizzed through Scriabin Preludes, How to Make a Cocktail with Gordon's Gin, uh, Andy Warhol's Flickbook Kiss, uh, Cage Ponce, Bath's Death of the Author. Uh, was, that, was that the first page that was published? Do we know? It was, yeah. Which I thought was extraordinary. It was a draft. They had to, they had to get it translated and it was well behind schedule. And it, yeah, it was extraordinary that, and it's funny that it was that followed by a text by Alan Rob Grier, and followed by a new text, The Aesthetics of Silence, I think it was by Susan Sontag. Uh, I, I mean, I just can't quite understand how this person, <laughs> this publisher, who we, who we haven't mentioned, I think Phyllis, Phyllis Johnson, Johnson yeah. which you may have mentioned. Sorry, I, I, no, I, I didn't know. Uh, I mean, how did she get all this involved? Money talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that makes me think of really is that, that that if I was an artist at that time and someone said to me, oh, well come to Aspen for a mm. holiday and when you're here, would you, would you make a bit of art? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you would probably do it, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. I mean, of course you would. I don't know if you'd get those kinds of results now uh, or whether it's something quite so, well, really fantastic, you know, or something so changing in, in that particular field. But, um, you know, I mean, the issues that she really had a kind of uh, hand in were the first two issues and you could tell that she came from a kind of luxury magazine background as well. It was, I suppose, when she brought in Andy Warhol and David Dalton to do issue three in the pop art issue, that's when the artists really took, you know, a hold on it. Well, I did wonder if Warhol had much to do with who came... Because originally he was an illustrator Mm -hmm. as opposed to an artist, as we might call him. And and I don't know where his illustrations were printed, but I presume some of them would have been possibly, I mean, she, she was women's wear daily yeah. and advertising age. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have thought it impossible, but they might have yeah, I'm met, sure they met crossed, there exactly. and, and then he may have brought people, but I don't know if he would have known I mean, there's a lot of people listed that I mean, he, would he have known Robert Morris? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing. I mean, from what, uh, from what uh, is implied in, in all of the records is that he took control of the design and bringing people in. And uh, it was David Dalton who did most of the actual editorship work and picking the works and deciding what okay. was... Um, it's kind of implied. That's not explicitly said. It's all a collaboration. No, it's called, history. It's called history. Exactly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, that's, that's very interesting. I mean, the, the only um, crass connection I was going to make between your piece and, and of writing and, and Michael's and the subject, and we haven't finished with yours, AJ, but, but, but I was just... I mean, 
it's in a box. I mean, mm. Michael Michael's writing about gardens, which are very, I mean, particularly Ham House, but maybe the King's Cross one as well, a very, like, a restricted area in, w- in which, you know, I mean, a magazine is a kind of restricted format, mm. as a, usually a specific number of pages, a box is a particular size, and mm. you know, you can, things within it. But within that, you can do an awful lot of ver- variety of things. And within the Aspen <coughs> box, there was a huge variety of format when they were records yeah. and film yeah. came in it and texts yes and uh, uh, it was more or less contemporaneous with uh, fluxus as well yes. uh, and uh, D- dick higgins dick higgins term uh, intermedia which he coined in the early, uh, 1964 i think so it, it's very much a, a, a kind of a multimedia capsule isn't it but, but, uh, sorry absolutely yeah yeah it's the concept of the capsule is one that it just can't get away from you know okay and this kind of display as well you know i suppose that's another thing that i suppose a a box would have in common with the garden is that it's an item for display, you know. Well, a walled garden. Uh, a walled yes, garden. I, I was yeah. thinking more of the ham one because I assume it's a more of a, a walled one. But just before we, this Aspen magazine box set, as it were, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's all on show, but it is at the Whitechapel. It is, yeah. Uh, uh, and upstairs in the, I don't know if it's the library gallery they call it, but the it's next galleries, uh, yeah. archive galleries. And um, people can see it. I mean, I went to see it the other day myself. And um, I would recommend it. I mean, it's not, it's not quite the same as touching it and owning your own copy as it would be if you had your own copy of Art Monthly well, at home. But uh, you get a good, pretty good look. I think it's a fantastic exhibition. It's, it's, I think it's one of the best I've seen this year. And it's, it's incredibly difficult to make a, a really coherent exhibition gallery display for uh, publications. Um, I mean, I don't think everything's in there. They've got a great range of t- contextual materials and, and facsimile objects. You can actually go through the uh, facsimile copy of the magazine uh, in the library. Um, and, yeah, no, it's it's a really fantastic exhibition. Uh, and it's... it's yeah, and as Michael said, it's on UbiWeb as well, yeah, so, so, which, yeah. which is actually very good, because you literally can look at everything, as far as I can see. I mean, you just keep clicking buttons going through and through and through. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Michael, my, my crass comparison between box and walled garden, but your feature basically discusses two types of outdoor space. One particularly is 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 older than the other one as a, as an arranged garden, isn't it? Yes, the uh, show at uh, uh, Ham House uh, in Surrey, which is uh, um, on the river on the River Thames, uh, um, not far from uh, Strawberry Hill, between uh, uh, Richmond and Kingston. Um, was um, uh, a summer-long show um, called The Garden of Reason. And uh, Ham itself uh, dates from the reign of James I and is, 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 is basically an intact uh, Stuart garden, a Stuart house surrounded by a Stuart garden, which is a highly, highly formalised, uh, ordered garden um, with um, uh, enclosed spaces um, linked together by mysterious doors and uh, w- walkways. Because you, you actually mentioned a film, didn't you, that was made in a garden, the draft, Draftsman's Contract, mm. uh, in your first paragraph. I mean, I, I saw the film. Uh, you, this is quite highly controlled, and yet there are areas you can go to to be private, and uh, as in the film, lots of things occur in different areas of the garden. But you, you also mentioned um, a, a sort of an ulk... Uh, in your second paragraph, you describe gardens as, as being um, uncultivated danger... As well. Did I misunderstand that you're saying that there are two things at once? Well, there's the garden and there's the re- the reserve. The feature in um, December to January Art Monthly um, actually is a kind of 
comparative uh, uh, methodology. It looks at the uh, garden uh, uh, at Ham and then at the sh- and then the show uh, Wild New Territories, which, uh, as the title as the title reveals, is a slightly different animal. Uh, it, it's it's based at uh, Camley Street Nature Reserve, which is at the back of King's Cross. Uh, which is uh, hemmed in by the canal, by the by the Eurostar terminal, uh, and yet manages to contain, uh, convey this sense of being slightly uh, wild, slightly grungy, and so the, these two settings, a highly formalised seventeenth-century uh, garden and uh, a nature reserve, a tiny urban uh, uh, oasis, were were the settings for two very different shows, and so my article uh, compares the two. And, um, and suggests that, uh, the, 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 in fact, that uh, the, the, re- the reserve and the, and the notion of nature being in reserve or being, being um, uh, always just on the edge of uncontrollability uh, is actually more fruitful in the, lo- in the long term. It's actually a more fruitful... Uh, um, uh, what shall I say? Philosophy? Fruitful scenario uh, for contemporary art as, it, as contemporary arts, like capitalism, tries to seek out new niches for itself. Uh, in my opinion, anyway, uh, uh, as the whole kind of uh, a field of um, exhibitions and ex- exhibition spaces is becoming more and more plural and is no longer severely dominated by the, uh, white cube anymore, these, these little kind of uh, eccentric English spaces, almost esoteric English spaces, are definitely the way forward, I think. Uh, uh, so, uh, what, what, What's interesting also is, is how this exhibition occurred. I'm particularly thinking of the one at Ham House, that, because that comes out of and obviously we can go into it fuller if we have time, but just to mention, it's, it's the National Trust who own Ham House, and it's the Arts Council of England who have come to an agreement between the two of them, with funding, which has brought about this show as part of a pilot scheme. Is yes, that, is it's, that a, right? it's, a, it's a, a scheme called uh, Trust New Art that's been... It's coming to uh, the end of its uh, third year now. Uh, a pilot scheme involving a, a strategic partnership between the National Trust and Arts Council England, which makes use of um, our country estates and other other sites that, that are run and owned by the National Trust as new contexts, new uh, niches for contemporary art to, to dialogue to dialogue uh, with uh, um, heritage or, or historical collections. Let's pick up on the word heritage. Yeah, is that like a like a formal objective of, of this kind of uh, initiative that they're pushing out? I mean, do they have any formal objectives? Uh, the National Trust, you mean? Uh, either the National Trust and ACE when they well, it's hard. To, it's hard to tell. I, I, I'm I, on one hand, I'm slightly cynical because uh, I, I believe that uh, artists are being co-opted and, and their work is being used as a kind of glorified visitor, uh, visitor attraction. Uh, and on, yet, on the other hand, it, there's something to be said for this, this these processes where um, new work is commissioned and inserted into circuits of you know, of objects of, of precious objects. Uh, and and, and attempts to dialogue with them or even disrupt their their truth. Uh, But in the long run, it's hard to say whether they've got a strategic goal or whether it's just a um, a marriage of convenience. Well, in that sense, I mean, how how arbitrary is it, their selection of artists or... Does well, it, is it cohesive in that way? I think a fair amount depends upon the individual artists. For instance, at the moment, and, and this show is, is still running, it's on until the 6th of 
um, January. Uh, the painter Glenn Brown is at Upton House in Warwickshire, and I was having a look at some images of the work that he's produced, uh, and, and most of his work is, is, are, consists of paintings that are sort of uh, have been uh, uh, exiled to the, the old squash court there. But he's also produced a couple of um, works which I find very interesting indeed, which are um, works in which he's, he's, he's actually either introduced or collected uh, small bronze figurines and he's completely smothered them in, in, in gungy uh, uh, um, gobbets of acrylic and oil paint until they basically lost their, lost their outline. One, one is called Nazareth, one piece is called Nazareth and the other one is called uh, Fellini for reasons that escape me. <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting that this, because Brown appears to be, this gesture of Glenn Brown's is, is to completely smother the work that he's either inherited or introduced, to completely smother the heritage and, and to get on top of the heritage and, to, and overwrite the heritage. And I feel that that is a, is a more powerful gesture than some of the, for instance, some of the, the works at, at, at Ham House uh, 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 that were part of... Uh, um, One was called Compass, wasn't it, at Ham House? Garden which, of Reason. Which, was, which I see from the photograph was, was Ray's step, you could go up to a platform from four points, which I presumed was to give you an overview of the garden that you wouldn't have in the design of the garden. It's like an added height that was not designed. Is that right? Well, there, there, uh, in fact, there are four library, they're metal library steps that you, that individually you would use for pushing around a, a library. Yeah, to, but to sort of put to together, the, weren't they? The top shelf. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they're put together, and then that's typical Alexandre de Kuna kind of. Um, using very uh, ordinary furniture and re rearrange, he rearranges furniture and very very cleverly often. Um. <coughs> well, that, but, mm. the, but this this, this um, general um, thing about using nature and and um, I'm I'm now trying to structure a question. I don't have a question. This has never happened to me before. <laughs> I'm never short of questions. Never short of something to say. <laughs> AJ, save me. Well, I mean, one of the things that struck me uh, when I was reading through your article was about, uh, and you mentioned it there before about you know this whole sense of comparison. It's kind of like a comparative uh, discourse or dialogue, um, and this sense of duos runs through not only your review of both. But if you're looking at, say, the heritage versus the contemporary or even in a more less superficial level where you've got, say, the mythic versus this sense of reason. Um, and, yeah, and I was just wondering whether you, you could unpack some of that a little more. Um, well, uh, there's the art world and the, <laughs> and the art world and the free market. And yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah, well, let's, yeah. let's not forget the, the, those overarching structures. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's probably the, one of the most interesting things of all because, I mean, it's not as though this, I suppose, uh, what it was, New Territories is probably a more, for the want of a better word, organic sort of exhibition rather than the Ham House, which is kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's imposed, but definitely I'm sure if there's some sort of strategic uh governmental sort of uh, uh, guidelines towards it you know they were obviously aim, uh, looking to aim for something out of it by putting on this exhibition can i just uh, return to what you were saying a few moments ago about the difficulties of the the, the, the potential difficulties for recreating aspen before i answer that question absolutely directly head on and i noticed from your article that you referred to a chain of place time and history yeah and I was thinking that with regard to the shows that the National Trust are putting on, it's very much a case of history, time and place. 
uh, 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 which is completely opposite, and 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 that, in fact, a lot of these works are sort of designed to enhance and to add value to the place, uh, mm. the place per se. Which originally the artworks commissioned by the people who lived in the houses that built them mm-hmm. would presumably have been to do as well. Yes, and that's one of my, uh, another one of the problems I've got is whether or not a work that is introduced into these um, uh, aristocratic settings, whether or not it's like a kind of instant heritage, as it were, uh, and um, and how much the artists involved are aware of the fact that they're being sort of manipulated. Because there doesn't seem to be a great deal of kind of recursivity to to, the, to either of the shows, to be honest with you, and, and pr- there's probably more recursivity in the in the Aspen um, box box set, to be honest with you. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure I entirely agree. Is that is that because of the kind of art that the people actually made, really? Or, or well, it's it's probably because they were uh, in a, making art in an era when um, uh, the conceptual was being born whereas now the conceptual is almost taken as something is for, is for taken for granted and the other day i said to somebody well a lot of this kind of second or third wave of conceptual art seems to be conceptual art but without the concept you have no. to follow that up <laughs> you have to follow that up you can't leave yeah. the in, in other words just a kind of uh, uh uh, showy, a showy kitsch, yeah, kit, kitsch. In other words, just kitsch, uh, and that's the, that's the danger of objects which are, are sort of uh, given uh, a great deal of uh, um, kudos or, or you know injected with injected with value simply by dint of being either very old or very 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 new, and there seems to be some sort of um, similarity there. Um, I think this sort of showiness is kind of embedded into Asper magazine from the very beginning, you know, um, insofar as it made no claims to any sort of criticality. I mean, critically, it was entirely passive. Um, and so, in essence, they were just display boxes for uh, this great art that they'd managed to accumulate, bring together. Um, it was more like a, a gallery in a box than a magazine in a way, I thought. I think a gallery would try and strive to embed some sort of criticality. I mean, if you're dealing with art objects, individual discrete art objects, then you're hoping that that sort of juxtaposition will kind of extract some sort of critical element. It's funny, actually, because Aspen magazine was published, the first one, in 1965. In 1964, there was the last issue published of Seminar, which Wallace Berman's magazine, uh, which ran from 1957 to 1964, and uh, that was pretty much a very similar form concept. It was assemblage, uh, it was collage, it was mailed out like Aspen, uh, except it wasn't so multimedia. It was mainly based in drawing and painting and poetry and photography. But they were very much that came from like a beat generation, uh, West Coast sort of uh, kind of. Uh, criticism of social norms, this kind of uh, post-war, we're looking to build a new generation of subversion and counterculture, pretty much in the same way that the modernists, say the futurists or the vorticists, did with this pre-industrial. It's like we're heading into this brave new world. And so let's let's criticise, let's take away all of the... Uh, uh, all of this establishment, you know, let's let's focus on drugs and spirituality and 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 travel and pornography, you know. And uh, Aspen magazine 
even though it followed a very similar format, it didn't have those kinds of symbolic uh, juxtapositions. It was pretty much what you see is what you get. And, yeah, this is why the sense of recursion, I'm not sure it's, it's appropriate, or I'm not sure it's really quite explicit. Michael, we've got about three minutes left. Is there something you wanted to make a particular point about before we wrap up the show? Um, I, I just want to mention that the boxes are also portals, mm-hmm. and it's worth bearing that in mind. And I'll just uh, quote from uh, Henry Lydiot in November Art Monthly, his review of Commissioning Contemporary Art, a handbook for curators, collectors and artists by Louisa Buck and Daniel McLean. Anyway, Lydiot says that a patron's motives extend beyond mere acquisition to embrace, quote-unquote, propaganda, celebration, commemoration, philanthropy and pleasure. Hmm. That's 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 quite nice. <laughs> in, in relation to the, the the people who've been organising these shows and these ma- the magazines, yeah. it, it does make sense. Yeah. Shall we leave it at that magical point, gentlemen? Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, you very much, listeners. You've been kind to uh, put up with my odd stumble, which is uh, quite common. But um, <laughs> <Very odd. laughs> um, if you'd like to read the pieces that we've been talking about, they're in the current issue of Art Monthly. You can subscribe for twenty nine pounds. For a whole year of ten issues, which I highly recommend, that's two pounds ninety a copy. If I make my maths right, that's fantastic, value. which is pretty good value. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, and hear you. Ag- listen to you again. Hear you again. You listen to us. We'll talk. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>